meeting a couple months back on this chapter, and um, I just felt it was the right time to, to talk about this this morning. We're talking about new wineskins. And uh, just to give you the story, one day Jesus was questioned about his disciples. He was questioned about their spiritual readiness, their level of spiritual maturity. And uh, the Pharisees uh, had made their their own judgment and their contrast uh, to Jesus' disciples versus the disciples of John the Baptist uh, versus their own disciples. And uh, they said, hey, hey Jesus, we notice that um, John's disciples, they, they, they fast and they pray. And even the disciples of the Pharisees, they, they also do the same. But we notice that your disciples, all they do is eat and drink. That's all they do. Now, if you've been a Christian for some time, right, before this COVID season and, and before all this, you'll know that we like to fellowship. We like to go out to eat. We like to, you know, be, be uh, with each other and all that. And um, it's just funny when I, when I read that. You know, your disciples, man, they're just eating. They're just drinking. They're just fellowshipping all the time, just having a good time. And uh, Jesus made a point to them and said, can you make the wedding guest fast while the bridegroom is with them? Hello? Amen? Can, can you, like, be at a party and not go to the little, the little dessert table? You know that little dessert table they have that's off limits until, like, someone takes the sign down? Right? Come on. Anybody? You know, everybody's eyeing the dessert table in the corner waiting to the, all right, now you can come and have dessert. All right, can, now are you going to be fasting during a party, during a celebration, during a feast? No, you're going to be enjoying, you're going to be celebrating with, the, with the, the person that is being celebrated. In this case, it was Jesus. Jesus saying, man, my disciples, they are with me. They are with the bridegroom. They they are celebrating with me. Jesus wasn't trying to lessen the importance of fasting or praying. We should uh, go ahead and clear that up here. He wasn't making light of that. Uh, Jesus wasn't trying to excuse his disciples from righteous behavior. Okay? Jesus did go on to say in verse 37, he said... No one puts new wineskins into old wineskins. And if he does, the new wine will burst and the old wine in the old wineskins will burst the old wineskins, excuse me, and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. Jesus wasn't making a comparison to his disciples either. However, Jesus was bringing to light the importance of the Holy Spirit's work in the life of a person. Being 
present in his presence this morning. Now, wineskins, they were made from goatskin and held wine until it fermented because of the fermentation process. Now, um, I like to, uh, you know, I I have a thing in the kitchen. I like to cook certain things and like to make certain things. My kids know, my family know that um, I like to make pizza. And, um, you know, I kind of like, I get into it. I look at the videos and uh, do the research, and there's so many techniques. And there's this process called fermentation. And if you uh, add the yeast to the dough, there's, there's a process, and, and it begins to rise. But there's this fermentation process that it goes through. And the longer that the dough goes through that process, uh, the more airy and, you know, the more, the, the better the, the, the dough, the better the result. But one thing about the dough is that it's alive. It's alive. Something's happening in there. There's things happening in there. And with wine, it's the same process. There's a fermentation process, and, and there's, there's gases being released. The pressure, okay, so going back to this. So there's a fermentation process. Um, that stretches the skin of the goat skin. New wine could not be poured into an old wine skin, or the pressure would burst the no longer elastic wine skin. Jesus spoke of wine skins to make a point to the hearers that the old wine skins were old human traditions and ceremonies that did not appropriately fit the new wine skins of the new covenant which Jesus had come to inaugurate. Now, what I love about the new person at work, every time there's a a new employee work, I love it. Because when there's a difficult task, when the boss comes and uh, says there's a new project, you have all the seniors, right, all the seniors that are like, "Mm, I'm not going to take, I know that one is trouble. I know the cost that that one is going to take. I know the hours I'm going to have to put in. But the new guy, you know, many times the the seniors are kind of like, let the new guy take it. Because the new guy comes in, and he comes in with the the new mentality. He's looking for new ideas and new ways and new strategies to get that job done. But, But the old guys... You know, we're like, um, I know the cost, and I'd rather pass. But, see, the thing is, is that when we want to change, and we want something new, and, and, and we want God to do something fresh, the old mentality always gets in the way. All the time. Old wineskins are like old mindsets. In this case, old religion. The Pharisees were concerned with what rather than why. What we need to do rather than why are we doing it. Why are we doing it? Why are we fasting? Why are we praying? 
It's interesting how just like a new idea, a new goal, a new life in Christ is bursting with thoughts and aspirations. Now, the new wine is a representation of the Holy Spirit, and it's alive. And, and, and there's a lot of things going on. And, and every time that we have a goal or we want to do something, the, the old mindset can't handle the change. Because it's alive, because there's something going on. So is the new wine as it goes through its fermentation process. The gases it produces will cause the old wineskin to expand. And when the, with age, with time, the, the, the skin becomes rigid of the goat skin. And expanding will only cause the skin to break apart. If you want a new way of thinking this morning... You got to change the old mindset. In the same way, you can't live this beautiful life that God has given us. You can't, we can't live it in our old lifestyle. The Holy Spirit is the new wine poured into our lives, which is the wineskin. The fruits of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer are the following in Galatians 5, 22. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, in the Old Testament, the first person to ever have his vineyard was Noah. He was the first person to do that. And... After that, generations to come had their vineyards. And vineyards in the house of an of a, of a Israelite was a, a sign of blessing and also heritage. As, the, as, the vineyard, as they grew the vineyard, they would plant more, um, uh, a larger vineyard, and, and it would just mature and, and grow and develop. And the grape was made into wine. It was made into just uh, a sweet wine, which is a, uh, a non-alcoholic beverage. And in those days, it was encouraged to drink wine, whether fermented or not, because the water, the water was not healthy. It was not good to drink. So um, unless there was a, a spring somewhere of fresh water, uh, many times they relied on the wine to uh, cure uh, sickness. They even poured it on wounds. It was, um, it served many purposes. Now, as we mentioned, it's not the lack of the Holy Spirit, rather this flesh that can become rigid and resistant to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This process of being able to expand and stretch to hold the new wine is coming back to the place where we need to be broken and reconstructed. It doesn't matter the years that we have in the Lord, nor the experience this morning. It doesn't matter. And I, I want to give you an example, an interesting story found in the book of Corinthians. And um, I, I'm sorry, in the book of Galatians chapter 2. Verse, starting with verse 11. Let me go ahead and read this. And it says, but when Cephas, 
also known as Peter, came to Antioch. I opposed him to his face. Now let's stop right there because this is Paul talking. So we got two mighty men of God, two apostles, two men who have performed miracles and preached to thousands and did all these great things and, had, and are in the process of preaching the gospel. And Paul says, I opposed Peter to his face. Okay, so just to give you some context. Because, it says here, because he stood condemned. Paul is saying he stood condemned, Peter. For before certain men came from James, he was eaten with the Gentiles. So he's saying, you know, before these men came, Peter was sitting down at the table and he was eating with the Gentiles. Now you have to understand that Jews and Gentiles didn't mix, and God was in the middle of bridging that gap. And that was Paul's, Paul was the apostle of the Gentiles. Peter was the apostle of the Jews, right? There was some segregation there. And God, in the book of Acts, God was in the middle of bringing that together. It says that he was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, right, when these, when these Jewish men came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision uh, party, okay? Verse 13, and the rest of the Jews acted uh, hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray in their hypocrisy. So he's saying that Peter got up from the table, he, he, he acted like he wasn't with that group. And, and his actions caused other men to, to do the same, to act in this type of hypocrisy. Okay? But it says in verse 14, but when I saw their conduct, all right, so Paul is standing back and he's seeing what's going on. He said, when I saw their conduct was not in the step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before all of them, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force Gentiles to live like Jews? He was saying, in other words, he was saying, if us in this place, if we want the sinner to convert to this Christianity, how can they do that if we're acting like sinners? How can we do that? And see, it doesn't matter the level of where you're at, what you've done, how many years you, you, you've been in the game, how, how much uh, level of responsibility you've been given, how many ministries you've had. Nothing matters because you can miss what the Holy Spirit is doing by an old mindset. You can miss the work of the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do simply by doing what you always done. And we see here between Peter and Paul, men of God. Uh, Peter had a shortcoming. Okay? No big deal. We all have those moments where we've missed something, where we didn't see it. We, were, we didn't see what God was doing simply because we've grown accustomed to what we've always done. Okay, we see the old wineskin here in Peter. 
It didn't matter who he preached to, what he did. At this moment, he was unable to stretch. He wasn't unable, he was unable to expand. Now, as the church, if we want to be in step with what the Holy Spirit is doing around us, we need to constantly be checking our hearts, constantly, and ask ourselves, have I become too rigid in my thinking? Have I constructed a religious system in my own life where I can't see what God is doing around me? Now, during the time of the harvesting of the grapes, okay, it was called the vintage. And this would happen during uh, the summer months, the hottest months of the year. And it was hard work to harvest all the grapes and to, uh, you know, make, the, they would make basically three things out of those grapes. They would make the wine, they would make the sweet drink, uh, they would make raisins, and, and one more thing, they would make a syrup, uh, which uh, when we read in the Old Testament, the land of milk and honey, most likely it was this syrup because bees and the honey of bees wasn't harvested until the times of the Romans. So most likely they were talking about the abundance of grapes in the land, which was seen as blessing. Okay, so during this time they would harvest all the grapes and it's, it, it, it says in traditions that villages would come together to harvest the grape, to make wine in the wine press. And even though this was hard work, they had to complete, complete it in a timely manner. And though it was hard work, it was a time of celebration and rejoicing, as noted in Isaiah 16, verse 10. It says here, and joy and gladness are taken away from the fruit field and in the vineyards. No songs are sung, no cheers are raised, no treader treads out the wine in the presses. I have put an end to shouting. So it, you see the contrast here. You see the judgment that when there was judgment in the land, all these things had stopped. But when the judgment wasn't there, it was a time of rejoicing. It was, it was a time where people were, were cheerful, were joyful, where, where, where there was blessing and abundance. See, this morning, the absence of joy is the absence of the new wine in our lives. And I don't say that lightly or, or, con, or to condemn, but the important thing is to keep the new wine flowing in our lives because from it comes joy and gladness from the Holy Spirit. The presence of new wine is the presence of real joy. Let me read another scripture here. In Psalms 4, 7, it says, You have put more joy in my heart than they, when they have their grain and wine abound. So again, you see the contrast, how wine is used here as a comparison to joy. Now, it's interesting how that is used in that way. Now, we cannot confuse the joy that comes from the life 
of the spirit with temporal satisfaction. It's not optimism this morning. It's not a feel-good attitude. It's not seeing the glass half full. It's not turning a blind eye to life's circumstances. Joy is the Holy Spirit in us. And such a joy cannot be quenched by circumstances. There is a quote that says, It's hard for Satan to tempt a believer filled with joy in God with the, with the empty pleasures of this world. It's hard for Satan to tempt us when we're filled with the Spirit with the empty pleasures of this world. In Isaiah chapter 5, God tells us of this beautiful plan for his people. It says in Isaiah chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, he says, Let me sing for my beloved the love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of its stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. We see how God had come in and taken his people and had given them everything that they needed, as we see here in the scripture. Provided everything for them. Took, took the stones out of the ground. Made the ground fertile. Gave them covering. Put them on the side of the mountain. He, he set up a watchtower. He provided, in other words, he provided protection. He provided everything that they needed. But at the end of the day, they didn't yield the produce that God was looking for. They didn't yield the grapes. They, they yielded wild grapes. See, the expectation from God was obedience, was holiness, was to be a witness to the nations. Instead, the outcome was idolatry, injustice, bigotry, and more. Again, here is a depiction of the old wineskin. God had poured out the new wine, but the old, old wineskin, the old mindset, the old way of living ruined it. This morning, we ought to always search God, seek the Lord, to take this old wineskin, to take these old mindsets so that we produce good fruit this morning, so that we produce Fruits of obedience, righteousness, peace, love, gentleness. Because in our old, old mindset, in our old wineskin, the, the, the new wine doesn't flow through us. and does, It doesn't hold the way that it should. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and change us, we become that vessel of honor able to contain the goodness of God, able to contain the blessing, able to, to allow what God wants to do in our lives. Amen? 
Let's, uh, let's pray this morning, amen, and